Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about the care and feeding of your authority business. Ooh, I really like starting out the, well, technically, I guess this is the second episode, but I like starting out the year with this kind of stuff. Yeah, I love it. But before we do that, I wanted to just give the dear listener a bit of housekeeping. Um, Listening back on our first episode of the year, we were talking about strategy and I personally feel like I did a really bad job explaining my point. Like it made sense in my head, but didn't come out of my mouth that way. So if you were listening to our last episode, which was 263, uh, you can expect to find a long, detailed, self-indulgent episode of Ditching Hourly where I'm going to really unpack the the details of really what I felt like I should have said. And I didn't really want to like do it on TBOA because it's just like a a little too self-indulgent, I think. But if you were confused about last week's episode, then you can check Ditching Hourly for an update. I think you should call it True Confessions or something. Yeah, that's I will. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> so if you're looking, you can look for True Confessions. <laughs> well, this is the first show we're recording of 2023. So forgive us if we're a little rusty, but we'll do our best to help you out with the care and feeding of your authority business. That's today's topic. Yay. So Rochelle has put together five big categories of kind of like things that you, the kind of mechanical aspects of, of a business like this that you, you know, that need to be kept up. Uh, otherwise, you know, bad things will happen. And it, I was, I think of it like the, the systems in a building or something like plumbing and heating and electrical and the roof and, you know, all, all of those sorts of things. It's like, it's not necessarily I mean, it can be fun when you have when you have them all humming along, but you know they don't just stay perfect. So they need to be tweaked and kept up, and it's not really the most fun part. It's not like thinking big ideas and having insights and changing people's lives. It's like I need to do my <laughs> payroll. <laughs> so it seems like a good time of year to talk about that sort of thing. Well, let's start with so the idea for this episode came from um, a listener who was struggling with checklists. And basically what they said was, you know, the last quarter of 2022, I spent all my time hitting my number. I started with an aggressive number. I surpassed it. I'm really proud of myself. But gee, I let a whole lot of other things go. Mm -hmm. What kind of checklist do I need to be able to run the other parts of my business? Because I have this one figured out. And so it got me thinking about it because a lot of times when you think about an authority business, there's not a lot of places to go to sort of understand like what you have to worry about. I mean, you don't have inventory and a lot of the classic stuff doesn't apply to you. So um, the way we were talking about this in, before the show, the way I think about this is that there's there's five areas where you can have systems and checklists, but where you want to pay attention to your business and, and sort of the underlying systems, if you will. And the first one is kind of obvious, right? It's clients and buyers. Mm-hmm. And so it's how do you serve the people that you already have, whether those are are clients that you're serving one-to-one or whether it's buyers where you're one-to-many. It's how are you taking care of those folks? Mm-hmm. And it, Jonathan, do you think of the um, of the email that you just sent as selling or as servicing? The email I just sent about the systems challenge? Yeah. Uh, that's... Well, it's free, but it's selling. I mean, it's it would be. Yeah. I would consider that a sales email. It's like okay. here's a you know, it's like a launch email. So, um, 
yeah, so I sent out an email and it was it's for the launch of a workshop. It's free, but normally all my other workshops aren't free and it would be the exact same kind of email and there would be, it would be, you know, it would cost money. But so I, I consider it a sales email and I have done marketing leading up to it. And then it's like, okay, registration is open, enroll now. Okay, so let's let's separate those two categories because I think there's there's clients, right? And so whether that is that you're you're serving them in a very one-to-one way or you have a membership program or maybe a productized service that you're delivering. And so I, th- I feel like that's the area where we're most likely to have some kind of a system, whether that's a checklist to onboard a new client or it's a system to walk the the new buyer through your process like do they get an email after they is the buy automated do they get an email do they go to a slack channel where do they go so jonathan with your groups i know you have a lot of this automated but do you have a um some kind of a of a checklist that you look at to make sure that the automation is working because a lot of people are not automating this they're just kind of working through a process Right. Yeah. It's this, this category I broadly call delivery, even though some of the stuff would, you know, it's this stuff to me, this category is this stuff that I promised to someone who gave me money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and yes, it, that's the, the automation that I have now began its life as checklists. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, um, you know, I run these workshops, do them sort of manually, tried to automate them a few times, never stuck, and I end up changing it every time. So it was just manual, manual, manual. And then finally last year, I was just like, okay, this is it. I'm going to just decide that this is the way it works, you know, and if it's if it's not perfect or if it is perfect, then, I mean, if it's perfect, great, but of course it never is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's I want to get it close enough to perfect that I could fall off the face of the earth and the workshop would run itself. Yeah. But but still there's some there are some delivery pieces associated i i automated all of the stuff that you can automate and there's still some delivery pieces with like a cohort based workshop you know i have to check in in slack and see if anybody's stuck and but i don't really need a checklist for that because it uh it just i just get notified you know so as mm-hmm. long as i as long as i have my phone turned on you know or whatever then that's automatically going to take care of itself i don't have a checklist to make sh- well i guess i do i you know before before something launches i have a i i've set myself a little calendar for like whatever what's the upcoming workshop for the next month and and i don't always do it but i usually go through and just read the lessons to make sure that nothing aged out Mm. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for the one that's that's launched, well, actually, it's launching today, the day that the day that you'd be listening to this, or the day that we publish this, dear listener, you could still actually register for the system challenge, daily system challenge, or sorry, ten day system challenge, and it in that one there was I read through and there was one message that when I originally wrote it uh, was pre pandemic and needed to be updated for kind of for that reason because it, it was like mm-hmm. it, it didn't it just didn't sound right post pandemic it's like mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to describe maybe i was being oversensitive but i was like eh, post covid this doesn't really sound i don't like the way this sounds so yeah so i just updated it so the the only thing i really do now is just kind of read through the lessons make sure that the uh, and i just i just run through the thing as a fake buyer and make sure that everything worked. So it, it's not like I have a checklist. It's really just one thing, 
which is mm-hmm. buy it and see what happens. <laughs> and, if, <laughs> and if anything doesn't work, then fix it. But usually it does work and I don't have to fix anything. So if I did fall off the face of the earth, then most of them would probably just continue to run fine for years. Well, you know, the other part of this too is that there are things that maybe you do, not just you, Jonathan, you, the listener, that you do every day. So you don't really think about it and you don't think about putting it in a checklist like, oh, check the Slack channel for the Slack channels that I'm running. So it's it's not there because you're so used to it, you just do it. But the advantage, I think, of having a checklist for some of those kinds of things is, is twofold. One, you know, like Jonathan, you could use it to automate something at some point. But the other is so that you do it so that it gets done and you don't have to reinvent the wheel if it's the same you know if it's the same thing you're doing over and over again and i think the the last reason to do that is to see if there's an opportunity to hand off things now some people don't want to hand off anything others are more than willing to hand off things that they're not really interested in and this is an area where you can start to see what is it that i'm doing and it, I think it also gives you a, a better insight into how much time you're spending running your business. Sometimes we're sitting there, we're, we feel like we're working a lot and we're like, well, how are we spending our time exactly? I think for folks who are, aren't selling a lot of product and maybe even not that many productized services, and it's really a lot of like a retainer, advisory retainer type work or project work or something like that, you can get super sucked into the delivery, you get really heads down mm-hmm. uh, in it with client you know from client demands you know or or requests or whatever like whatever your responsibilities are you can get really sucked into their business so this this one has always been one back when i was doing like a lot of really high touch delivery pretty much for everything and had no products and no productized services i was i did have i do in, in even my high touch stuff now i do have checklists especially for the onboarding and, uh, and if there's any recurring meetings, like if there's re- some kind of recurring meeting, I'll have a little system to run the meeting, like, you know, step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, do that. And then when you're done, go like this. Uh, and a lot of times, especially if you're doing a small number of high touch engagements that are kind of expensive, you're probably not doing tons of them. So you're not onboarding clients so often that it's kind of like second nature. So it really does help to not have to like you said, reinvent the wheel every time. Just be like, I've done this. I did this three times last year. I don't need to rethink it. So let me just go get that stuff and reuse it for this new onboarding. And for me, that's all in like my keyboard shortcuts, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like that because it, it frees your brain to think about something else. It's like if I can put something into a checklist or into a procedure and then I don't have to think about it again, I just have to remember where I put it. That's, right. I mean, that you becomes know. the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I have a folder for that. But yeah, yes. yeah, but it, it does it does get get interesting. And, and I think that it allows you to let go of the worry and focus on the areas where you really want to spend your time. And it's probably not figuring out how to move them from point A to point Z in your onboarding process. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a good place to start the sort of clients and buyers delivery stuff, because that's the thing that for sure everybody does. Everybody has. Yeah. Right. So you you need to, to do that. And I love the suggestion. I love the suggestion of, of having it laid out so that you can look for things to either delegate or remove or automate or systematize. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's great. 
yeah, it gives you a chance to step back and be like, am I, is everything I'm doing here adding value, especially the really hard stuff? Is that adding value? And if the answer is no, then maybe stop doing it. If the answer is yes, then think about a way to make it less uh, difficult or time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, the stuff that you don't like, because there's sure. often some of that. And let's get rid of as much of that as we can. I don't know what you're talking about. It's always <laughs> delightful. Every aspect. So the the second one that, that I think of in, in terms of order of which people spend the most time is selling. And I'm, I'm separating that from marketing. I don't think of those two as the same thing. Agreed. And some people do very little selling. I mean, that's the goal of building authority is so that you can have... Um, selling conversations or or introductory conversations rather than, you know, trying to pitch someone. But uh, selling is also where you can have a number of different automations or checklists or procedures or systems to make selling easier. And sort of the classic that a lot of my clients use is pipe drive. And there are others, but that's, you know, that's one that's sort of kind of for smaller businesses. And it's got some ability to, uh, to do some things that uh, authority sellers like. But selling is, it's one of those things where if you're wired to want to do the work, and a lot of us are, it's why we go into solo consulting. It's really easy to let the selling go when you have a thorny client problem. You're like, oh, I got to spend my time on this. And, and you know, that example you gave earlier where you get so wrapped up in the client's business and you forget that you're running your own. And so you need something around uh, selling to make sure that you're paying attention to building the pipeline for your next clients and buyers. Right. So totally agreed. And the and unlike the delivery one, this one, not only do you want to have a, a system in place, so whether it's a checklist or whatever, some you know daily to do list or something, you you need. I, I in my experience, for me. I always need to know like, okay, here are the things I need to do, but I also need a reminder to do them because it's not yes. because the, the automatic, the, the sort of built in universal, like the universal reminder is like you look in your checking account and you're like, I don't have enough money. So I need to go to sell. I need to go sell. And that's the worst possible no. time, worst no. possible time. So that's way too late, you know, way too late when you're, you know, you know, we're going to talk about financials later, but like if you had, you know, it'd be better to not be looking at your bank account and maybe looking at projections or whatever. Yeah, do, do not use your bank account as your selling motivator. Right. <laughs> but I, you know, early on, it certainly happened to me, but it, but. Oh, it, it happens to everybody and it happens the other way too, is the bank account looks flush and they're like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not going right. to sell as much right now. But exactly. you know, once, if you have a system and it mostly runs itself, i.e. you have to do things, but it tells you what to do and when, right? It takes a lot of the, I don't know, the, the resistance factor out of it. Yeah. It makes it less of a creative act, which makes it much, much, much easier. So yeah, I would say from the, from a selling standpoint, there's I would consider yeah pretty much the stuff that you'd use a CRM for. I, I would you know like where do you draw the line between marketing and sales? I, I would say this the stuff that requires a CRM is you're starting to get into the sales that selling realm. Yeah, that's selling. And so yeah, so if you for example, folks who are maybe students I've worked with who are like recently repositioned themselves or recently positioned themselves for the first time. 
especially if it's in a market for some reason they decided to go into a market where they is, is different from the one they've been in then outreach is almost definitely going to be involved at some point even if it's just to set up a listening tour or something like that you're going to be cold calling or emailing or dming people and i can only think of one person in the history of my business who actually enjoyed that um, <laughs> normally people don't enjoy that so it's the kind of oh. thing that's really easy to put off and then if you put it off long enough then it's too late and it's just stench of desperation you know stinking up the room so yeah so i think having a, a really simple straightforward system that is you know as easy as it can be minimal thinking that you're comfortable with so it doesn't make you cringe uh, and then some kind of reminder on a regular basis whether it's a daily thing or a weekly thing or a court you know bi-weekly monthly whatever is the right cadence and you do the thing you don't think about it you just do the thing and then you know you did it it checked it off the list and you know yeah. it's like it's like oh i hate watering the garden so i'm just gonna stop <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things I love about CRMs is the visibility it gives you into what's coming next. And so um, I like them, especially for people who are serving big corporates, where your job is either to have a lot of people, like let's say your target is the CFO of Fortune 500 companies, for example. So that's 500 potential people. It's hard to keep track of those people. And so if you use your CRM in a way that you put somebody in your system and then you tell yourself, and there's a way to program that and all these, it's not complicated. You tell yourself what the cadence is going to be for that person um, and it allows you um, let's say you're you're not just interested in CFOs let's say you're interested in um, in a slice like uh, restaurants uh, or, or food and beverage companies in fortune 500 I don't know how many of those there are let's say there's 20 and so you know 20 is a decent target but what you want to do is you want to um, build relationships in the marketing departments of those people. So you want a place to keep your relationship building with all of those people in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think it's especially important for somebody who's working that way because especially if your work is so, um, um, I don't, almost said overwhelming, where you just get so tied yeah, into the project. Yeah. And it's almost like a whale model, not a single whale, but where maybe you have three to five. And so you do big, intensive things with them and then it ends. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a different way of working. And so it's even more important that you've got the pipeline. And that's why I like having checklists and really a CRM. I mean, they don't cost very much. You can get most of these things for a couple hundred bucks a year. Mm. It's just it's worth it to keep it in front of your face so that you have insight. And we'll talk about this when we talk about financial, but you have insight into what's coming beyond your bank account. And right. it will make you nervous if you've got nothing in there, as it should. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. yeah. If that's your business model, if you're doing, a, you know, more of a of a buyer model, it's really a lot less critical to think about selling in that way. But then you want to think about selling in other ways, like how big is your audience? What about your email list? And all of these can have checklists and systems attached. But if you don't pay attention, you you won't do it. Right. Yeah. So a quick shout out, if folks are looking 
or in a mode where they're like, yeah, that probably, that sounds like me. I probably should have a CRM because of the kind of deals I'm uh, chasing. Uh, check out something called Memorin, which is, uh, I interviewed the, the guy, Ruben Swartz, um, about it on Ditching Hourly, and he's also had me on his show. Really nice guy, and he's got this, he calls it an anti-CRM for independent consultants. Uh, so if, if Pipedrive feels like a lot, then you might want to check out Memorin because it's it's specifically for soloists. Cool. Yeah, and it is pretty cool. I, I, I don't use a CRM. Yeah, my business has gone in a different direction. I'm not, I'm not, it's just different now. But um, yeah, it's, it feels like what I would want. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have a lot of people who are, who pay really close attention to how to serve clients and buyers, but then we fall down when it comes to selling. And so I think the important thing is to not ignore this idea of building relationships and you can build them with all sorts of different alliances, alliance partners. And that's when it sort of starts to fall into the marketing bucket. Right. I mean, yes. to me, sell, yeah, selling is about getting to the people, your ideal clients and buyers, who you want to buy your products. That's yeah. what I think of as selling. Yeah, like actively pushing a deal for a specific deal forward. Yes, yeah. Whereas marketing, and I always laugh about this. I probably don't need to explain this, but when when I worked in a big consulting firm, everything was marketing because actuaries didn't like the word selling or sales. It felt dirty. It felt icky. So we called everything marketing. And so when, when I say marketing, I'm thinking nothing that is a direct sale, but is involved with either the relationships that are uh, that circle around your buyer, or that it's about awareness and getting people to know more about who you are, your point of view, and your services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of ways to. I totally agree. It's like this. This I think it's a Seth Godinism or maybe a Zig Ziglar thing. Like turning strangers into friends is kind of like you know, and then friends into customers. So it's like it's like those are the kind of to me that's like one way to divide the two stages. That's the way I think about it is to me, marketing is like helping people you like get what they want for free at scale and like for our kind of business. And that just looks like podcasts and mailing lists and YouTube channels and and so on and so forth. But there's certainly other aspects of marketing. It's a lot more than that in the big picture. But for me, it's like for me, marketing, the marketing piece is not about a specific deal. And to me, that's where the Mm -hmm. that's where the cutoff is. Yeah, and so it's um, from your list, email, podcast, um, I'm going to call it media because it can be social media, it can be traditional media, it can be digital media. I mean, there's all sorts of, of things involved in that. But it's I, th- I also think it's um, building your network of alliance partners. Totally. Right, building your authority circle. And those are the things where, you know, you're not having a conversation about, oh, please buy my stuff. <laughs> you're having a conversation about maybe what you believe about your shared area of expertise. You know, kind of like Jonathan and I before we hit record, like we'll talk about all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's those kinds of things and those relationships that we're talking about for marketing. And I think when people are first starting on the authority track and they've realized, okay, I need to develop some content, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's emails, maybe it's blogs, maybe it's podcast, maybe it's video. Um, But they realize that. And then the first thing is that deer in the headlights look like, 
I have to fit that in with my client work? Right. (laughs) How is that going to happen? So that's why having a system, having a checklist uh, is really, really important because content is one of those things where you may be able to develop the, the piece of content really quickly, but you may not have the time or the inclination to distribute it, which is what is going to make your, give you more traction in building authority. And so by having those checklists or having some kind of a system where you know exactly what needs to be done, maybe you can hand that off to somebody else to do for you. Yeah, classic example that that applies to a lot of people I work with is going on a podcast tour and having someone else set that up for them. That's the classic one. Yes. It's it's very very CRM-y, but it's not sales, but it's like a CRM where you do all of this outreach and you need to do follow up and you need to you know either they're not deals but it's it feels like the same thing and it it's, feels like a deal <laughs> right yeah. and it can be a lot of work and there's mm-hmm. is a really long lead time it can be very um it's it's like the range of lead times for shows can be extremely long they can be really short really long so yeah. It's one of these things where it's not giving, you know, you're not getting your tips at the end of the night, <laughs> you know, like it is a long time before any kind of reward could even possibly come from setting up an appearance. So the idea of like listening, of like, you know, finding the contact information for a host, finding out if they still have active episodes, finding out if they take guests at all, finding out what their audience is mm-hmm. like, figuring out how to, how could you serve their audience to make them look good? And then writing that, sending it, following up scheduling it if they say yes like going back and forth about that you know just like it's a lot of work to maybe someday get on the show to maybe someday be heard by somebody else's audience to maybe someday get some of them to listen to your show to maybe someday get them on your mailing list (laughs) it's the kind of thing that does not reward you for a long time and it's a fair amount of effort and so that's that is a thing where i see lots of people saying like look i am not going to stick with this. I mean, of all the things on my list to do, that's just going to be at the bottom, even though I know it's important. I just, it just doesn't make it above the the waterline. So that's a great, anyway, great example of something to outsource. Well, and what I should have said too, is a book. I mean, a book kind of falls into that category. It, It made me think of it when you were talking about it, because when I published my book, I went on a podcast tour and some of those things were super fast because I knew them already. Right. I had relationships. Maybe I'd been on their show before, um, and it was super fast. And then some of them were much bigger shows, and I had to do some pitching. I had to go through um, a couple of hurdles. <laughs> I had to do a for one. I had to do a pre-interview with somebody on the staff, but Oof. not the person. But I was like, oh, really? Um, but I did it because I wanted to be on their show, and mm-hmm. it worked. Right? I jumped over the hurdle. But those are all investments that that you make and you make a decision about do you know do I want to do a book and you know just not to get too far in the rabbit hole about checklists but let's say you decide you want to do a book mm-hmm. you're not just writing a book to put your thought process out there you're typically writing a book because you want people to read it <laughs> you want other what? people to read it no. it's not even about the money although we all can secretly dream of being on the top 10 of the New York Times bestseller list and just raking in the dough but it's really it's it's about having it read and when you start to think of it that way then you start I mean 
I would make you sick with the number of checklists I had for my book. I, I couldn't even, you know, keep them all in one Excel spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> you know, you start to say, all right, so who would be interested in this? Who might like this? Are there podcasts? Are there shows? Are there friends? Have, have I thought about advanced readers? All of those things are really important when it comes to marketing. And if you just spend just a little bit of time where your email's not pinging, your phone's not buzzing, and you can just think about where would my time best be spent in order to build for the future. And mm. that's when you'll come up with these ideas and, and decide that it's worthy of, of a list, a checklist, to make sure that you do everything that will help you move it forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and dear listener, that that probably sounded the book process probably sounded overwhelming, and I would say that it is extremely. There can be a billion things to do if you want to really do it, um, but I but I think a book is probably a, at most a once a year project, and and I agree that it falls under marketing. I think there, I think most people most a lot of people aren't writing a book but they and so it shouldn't be like the stuff that you do to keep your marketing in general your marketing machine operating on a regular basis can be very very small like it doesn't need to be overwhelming it's just this little thing that you do every day or five days a week but with with a fair amount of regularity like high regularity so that yeah no more than three things yeah keep it really keep I, i i think it's I think two things. This is a, a, you know, everyone's about to yawn. I say this all the time. It's like <laughs> writing and speaking. Two, one thing from each category on a regular basis. Writing and speaking. I don't care what you do. For me, it's mailing list and podcast. But whatever you want to do, if you're building an authority business, writing, writing and speaking at least weekly, but hopefully more. And that's and you just do it. It's so easy to like, you know, get sucked into client work and not do it. Be like, oh, I'm, I'm. I've got tons of money in my bank account and I'm really busy this client launch and da, 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 da. so all of a sudden two I mean we took two weeks off and I could barely remember how to podcast <laughs> I, <laughs> you get, what button do we push yeah you get rusty so you, yeah. it's just it's almost easier to just not let yourself get rusty in the first place uh, so yeah keeping up with that it doesn't need to be a big deal you don't need to do a billion things well, at all and, and find the joy in it and you know to me the joy is when you know exactly who you're writing or speaking to and you want to help them transform in some way. So you have that as kind of your, your central, um, what do you call it? The, is it the sun or your is that sun, the moon? Okay. This, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, okay. So have that be your sun and then it be, you can find the joy because you're looking for ways to help people that you really care about, get what they want. Mm-hmm. And when you can find that joy, then even when you're having like a really lousy day you're, or you're just like so busy, you really don't have time and you go, you know what? This is a treat to myself. Yeah. I'm going to spend a half hour or an hour maybe interviewing somebody on your podcast for for this idea. And you just, you get excited about it. You find the joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Marie Kondo here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we yes. move on? Yes. Let's move on. That was a yeah. Okay. So there's a category and, you know, I couldn't decide whether to like lump it in someplace else, but I just call it admin, you know, administration. And, you know, I just always think of it from my, my big firm days. Like there's just all this stuff that has to get done that is not 
it's not consulting, it's not selling, it's not marketing. It's, you know, it's sending bills to clients or invoices right. to clients. It's, you know, setting up a system so that you can take payment on your website. It's right. yeah. distributing your social media, which you could, again, you could argue is marketing, but it's also administrative. If all you're doing is plugging and chugging, you know, that's administrative. Mm-hmm. So it's, it can be easy, especially if you're highly creative and you don't really like spending time on those messy details. It can be really easy to ignore this mm-hmm. and um, not get full value out of all the work you're putting into your business because your administrative systems and checklists aren't working. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's. it's funny because I know there's like a million little things that I would lump into this admin category and I'm sitting here finding it very hard to think of them which is kind of the the scare it's kind of scary right so like it, i'm trying to think of things that fall into no category but you kind of have to do it like uh i got i got like a some kind of like inbox attack i can't remember what it's called it's like where you these bots and you just flood your inbox with emails Ugh. And, and it just have to deal with it like i have to do something about it or like mm-hmm. like um Simplecast updates their interface and we got to relearn the new one or like whatever, like stuff changes and, and, or an automation breaks and you need to fix it or, you know, whatever. They just stop moving the buttons. Like <laughs> they would just stop moving the buttons. Yeah. It happens all the time. Like it's this stuff that doesn't really fall into any other category. It's just like things break kind of. I mean, there's, there's stuff that you, that, that maybe doesn't fall into another category. I, I was wondering if you're going to put invoicing in fine in in. in the, I did. Yeah. In admin. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So people ask me for especially there's like particular times a year when like everyone from Germany asks me for an invoice for a product, um, that sort of thing. And I, that's not to me. That's it is related to money, but to me that's just an administrative task. Well, yes and no, because you make the decision like because because you could run everything through Moon Clerk or you could do what I do, which is I run um, website transactions through Moon Clerk, but everything else I run through QuickBooks and FreshBooks before I switched. So, yeah, there are choices to make. And most of us don't know enough to know how to make the best choices for us and that's when it can be really helpful to have somebody like a VA who's got some significant experience with this and have guide you yeah yeah it's not the fun part of the business at least not for me but it's necessary yeah of these five categories this is the one that that is my least favorite it's like for me it's mostly random stuff that's probably one-off or extremely rare but it's just like You know, like, oh, I gotta do, you know, it's like the thing happened. It's like a tree falling on your garage. There's nothing you can do to like, really, there's not much you can do to like prevent it or predict it. It's just like this stuff happens and you're like, I gotta deal with this now, you know? Oh, yeah. Like ConvertKit. Every once in a while, something will go wrong with one of the sequences mm-hmm. and I, I don't figure it out right away. And then I figure it out and I'm like, oh, this has to be fixed. Mm. So if, if I fix this, is something else going to break over here? It makes my <laughs> head hurt i hate that now there are people who would love to solve that problem for you so my point is we don't always have to solve all these things ourselves but yeah it's kind of that category in fact when i sold my company to arthur anderson i remembered 
walking in and and talking to the partner who had arranged the deal on my very first day. And he said, like, what are you looking forward to? I said, not rolling around under the desk trying to fix the network. I never want to do that again. <laughs> they had like That's whole departments to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is funny. Well, yeah. I got to say, like, this is, this is, uh, I don't know if this is an area or opportunity for improvement for me, but I don't, I can't think of a single thing single checklist for anything in this admin category oh oh i have some but you might put them in another category like um how to post the uh, my blog posts where do they go um you know how do you post them in wordpress like step by step oh, okay. this is what you do and okay. I, I do them so often i don't even look at it anymore but i have it so that i can hand it off mm-hmm. um and i had the same thing with with podcast when my va left because i didn't know how to do it she did it so you know my rule was if you, if you do this for me you have to maintain uh the checklist this you know so that we know how to do it if you get run over by a bus and so i had all those things and i continue to update them as um things change but you could argue that's marketing but for me that's admin because i don't have to do it somebody else could do it that's a good way to distinguish it yeah because you're right i have a i have checklists for like uh i have essentially administrative checklists in all of these categories but you're right I, I put them in the category because I don't delegate them so for me yeah. like running my bi-weekly video call like the Ditcherville live call is there's tons of administrative stuff there's probably only like you know maybe has 150 180 steps in it and maybe 10 of them are literally I have to do mm-hmm. and the rest of them in theory could be outsourced so right. so okay yeah so that could so i guess i have a bunch of administrative tasks kind of woven into some of my other categories same with the same with this show the podcast i edit this i i love editing it but that could be outsourced easily we used to outsource it yeah so yeah yeah, yeah and if if you weren't here i would outsource it <laughs> I, <laughs> I wouldn't do it yeah so yeah yeah just get my deep fake of my voice and boom there you go <laughs> So then I think the last category is the one I think some people think is most important and some people just forget, and that's financial. Mm-hmm. And I think of this, I don't know, I'm thinking of our episode with Erica Goody. Yep. Um, it's Part of it is just the, you know, is your bookkeeping set, set up properly? Um, are your invoices going out on time? Um, are you, you know, invoicing for everything that makes sense is anything getting lost in the process but really i like to think of financial as is not you know just those things but a step or two above that and the step or two above that the first one i think is is are you paying yourself appropriately you might be paying yourself too much or not enough mm-hmm. um it's usually you know not enough is usually the the answer and are you um setting yourself up for taxes for the year in question so like we're in 2023 do you have it figured out as you earn income are you accruing for taxes has your cpa told you a formula to use are you thinking about it do you have a place where you put those funds so that you're not tempted to use them to go to bora bora like all of those you know all of those things and and do you have insight into um Cash flow is probably not a big issue with our audience, but sometimes it can be. But do you have an 
you know, insight into your cash flow and into the investments that you want to make in your business. Do you have enough money to make those investments? Like all of those kinds of things. And let me just back up. By investments in the business, I mean maybe you want to start a membership or you want to add a high end of option of some sort, or you want to do a conference. You want to actually do a conference for your people. Those are all things that require some investment of time and probably some investment of money too. Yeah. Big website rebuild. Like, Oh, I'm going to do, I'm finally going to get fancy and have my courses in here and all that stuff. Yeah. And so you're thinking through what impact does that have on your ability to keep bringing in the same cash flow? but that's like on a year to year basis. And the sign that this isn't working for you as well as it could is if you keep having tax surprises. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have to pay that? Oh, wait a minute. My federal tax is this much higher than it was last year? Oh, gee, where am I going to get the money for that? I've already spent it. So it's it's really thinking about your business as a business and being able to understand what's going to happen in the year that, that we're talking about. But yeah, did you like, want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say it, it's like projections, looking ahead instead of just reacting all the time, being proactive. So like you said, it's bookkeeping and taxes is like the, an obvious canary in the coal mine if that's not going well. But that's that's just barely, like that's not great. Like that's the red flag. Like, oh, surprise, yeah. surprise, surprise. And then it's yeah. like... Uh, getting that under control and but but you're right like then going farther up altitude wise so you're thinking more strategically yeah. and trying to make projections and think about the future and like you know nobody's got a crystal ball but you can you can make some reasonable guesses about what you know like last last year I was like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna strategically I've decided to do uh, to step away somewhat you know significantly in fact from one-on-one stuff very high ticket stuff so i'm i know i'm going to take a revenue hit in 2022 and i like predicted it almost to the exact percentage point of what the wow what the what the change was going to be projection job yeah i was like it it almost made me wonder like if i managed to the number yeah you know what i mean (laughs) right i was like huh Because if it was if it was trending worse than I expected, I probably would have hustled more. And if it was trending better, I probably would have relaxed a little. So it, it's, I'm sure there's some psychology going on there. But you can do it. It sounds impossible. Like, well, I don't know how much stuff's going to cost. It's like, yeah, you kind of can yeah. guess, though. and You can figure it out. Right. So it's worth it's worth the time to put in if, if you know, you want to get off that, like, house of horrors feeling when, you know, you're you're – bookkeeper your cpa is like oh here's how much you're gonna owe the state and it's like oh yeah that cartoon (laughs) character with the eyes bugging out like crazy (laughs) yeah yeah but then there's there's still another level though that you can go from there which is you know that's kind of saying okay i've got my taxes i have my you know i'm paying myself appropriately um i'm making money um i have a plan but then what's your long-term plan financially. And this is often something that your accountant can't really help you with. You may need to go with somebody um, more strategic, depends on who you're working with. But this is where you say, okay, so do do I want a 401k? Do I want some kind of a retirement plan inside my business? What are the best options for me? How can that work? What does it look like? Um, are there things in my family tax return that makes sense for me to do something differently? 
i.e. your spouse is a partner in an, in a specific kind of firm and they don't know what their revenue is until the end of the year or your spouse isn't working and you want to make sure that you're putting away retirement for them what what options do you have what are your long-term financial goals do you want to retire do you want to send your kids to college do you want to go I don't know, sit on a beach somewhere. All of those things, it's so easy in the day-to-day to not think about that stuff. Hmm. But it's, you know, it's the fun part. It's the, on the financial side, it's the fun part of the business, right? It's, that's it's the what, fun part of the financial side, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not the bookkeeping. I, I could live without having to worry about that. But thinking about, oh, what do we want to have happen? Right. Um, and, you know, for and you. And the investments. The investments piece yeah. is fun. Like, what are you going to invest in the business? What, what really makes sense? That can yeah. be fun too. Yeah. And and what makes sense, you know, financially to invest in outside of your business? Like if you're going to have a 401k, where's the money? What are you going to invest the money in? Um, and, you Good know, point. you can also look at uh, what your business is worth. Maybe you're creating a saleable asset and you want to kind of keep your eye on the ball for that. I mean, there's all sorts of big picture things that are really fun. I mean, um, remember Todd Tresseter mm-hmm. uh, when he was on our show in his book about leverage, I think he talks about, like for doctors and dentists, like owning your building. Yes. <laughs> There's all sorts of reasons. I don't know if this is still true, but it, when at the time you wrote the book, he, I don't even remember what they were, but he enumerated all sorts of reasons why doctors and dentists could really benefit by buying their building. You know, it's probably true for some other professionals as well. Who knows? But yeah. there's that's the beauty of it. There you have so many things that you can think about and explore that are going to make your life and the life of your loved ones better. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Yeah, I love that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm a personal finance nerd. I just apologize in advance. I do enjoy that stuff. (laughs) Well, it does. I mean, I think these kinds of businesses really, folks in this mindset like we are, it's, that's what it boils down to. I mean, like live to work or work to live. And, and I don't know. I don't think anybody listening to this show is like thinking about going public someday and, you know, or whatever like that that sort of that sort of like mm. it's like the hyper macho version of of financial success like ugh. anyway I, yeah oh i right? did that yeah i did yeah. that with my first company that was the goal <laughs> <laughs> right so you know so it does, i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say here but, but like the financial part i guess i guess the thing is it's easy to kind of I think probably a lot of people wouldn't put this, they put this close to the bottom of their favorite part of the list. It's like, I just want enough money to do all the stuff I want to do uh, and not think about it that much. And it's like, well, it can, can be fun though. You know, you can, for example, here's an example, here's a concrete example. So I was working with a new student and we were, you know, very early in the thing and we're going to be working together for a while. So it was like, okay, it's like, let's look, let's decide what kind of product and service mix, like what's your product ladder going to look like? with this kind of new business model it's like okay what what could it look like and so the the base for me like the basic starter model for most kind of like you know folks who have demonstrated expertise in a space and it's like okay how how can i switch into more of a a consultative mode more strategic higher level than this doing stuff i've been doing 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 and so like i have this little spreadsheet it's like a simple simple little spreadsheet and you can plug in numbers that seem, you know, it's like you can plug in numbers like price tags that seem reasonable for those things based on the kind of 
you know, past work that you've done, the kind of clients you're already attracting. So you can make some guesstimates and conservative guesstimates about like how much you could price those things at and how many you could probably sell a year. Again, conservative, like if you if you're really trying to sell this roadmap, how many do you think you could sell one a quarter, you know, like or, you know, two two a quarter, one a month or one a year? Like, what do you think? And you plug in numbers and it like totals everything up at the bottom. And it's wild because if you sort of over index on the high level project stuff, so really high ticket stuff, and you can do like two or three of those a year, you come out with a number and 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 then you're like, okay, well, how could we get to that number without doing that many? You're trying to get away from that. That's the work you do now trying to get away from it. So like farther down the food chain, what kind of numbers look like there? And it's like, whoa, that's higher. And and we, you know, we just did this with me yesterday. And as you're as I'm changing the numbers from like, you know, three hundred fifty thousand dollar pro you know, one on one client projects to like to zero and then like four roadmaps and some follow on advisory, maybe five, six, six to eight months of follow on advisory stuff. The number's higher. And I'm, and I'm like, I could feel over the phone yeah. the way he was like, oh, that's a way better year. And it's less work probably. And it's too. less work, right? Even yeah. if the number was the same, it, like I could just feel his shoulders go down. He's like, oh yeah, <laughs> like that would be a much <laughs> yeah. better year. Yeah. And like that kind of stuff's fun. And that's pure, that's pure like, you know, it's guesswork, but it's, you know, it's not unrealistic. It's not unhinged from reality. No. And it also gets you aligned with what you need to do to get that. Because you can you can say, oh, I'm going to do 10 of these all day long. If you don't have the audience to do 10 and you do nothing, you're going to get zero. Right. Right. It's figuring out how much selling and how much marketing do I have to do? What do I have to change to get there? But the point is it really hyper focuses you on what's important. Yeah, it helps you look at like oh, what activities would lead to a year like this versus what activities would lead to a year like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I was just thinking, um, Ramit Sethi, I'm on his mailing list, and I think it was just this morning, and I didn't read the whole thing, but he's it was something to the effect that he had this laundry list of like 31 pages of how to market his book, and then he talk to somebody and maybe he hired them to help and, and he, he said what's the what's really your number one goal and he thought about it and he said to make the top 10 of the New York Times and so they crossed out you know everything except maybe a page worth of activity that's right. what focus does for you mm-hmm. is it really gets you focus <laughs> yeah focus gets yeah. you focused. <laughs> yeah, yeah I know that's bad it gets you um really clear on what you need to do and it gives you this almost tunnel vision for a short period of time where you say no i'm not going to do anything else that is not getting me towards this thing right yeah i tell i i I don't know if i've told it on this show but there was a years ago when i was in a rock band and we were like really not good and not attracting crowds (laughs) and and it was just it was just fun and we did it a lot but we we wanted to be on the radio this is like 90s like when when there was still payola and and early 90s like 91 92 and the dark ages before the internet (laughs) and it was like well we want to get on the radio and so we would go to kinko's and print out flyers and staple them to telephone poles like this is way back then and and the drummer my best friend from nursery school he was like well why don't we just you know we're not trying to we're trying to get on the radio right yes well, why don't we just put the flyers around the radio station? And then we don't have to go all over the whole city. And it was like, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
genius. Like, Why did I think of that. <laughs> right, because that's because there were literal DJs who actually picked records. So it's like you know, and yeah. we knew what station we wanted to be on. There's like two or three stations that would ever play a 45 from a local rock band. So like you know, BCN ERS, and there's probably one I'm forgetting. It was like all right, so let's just plaster the telephone poles around the the parking lot where they park. So they can't not see it. Like the, there's only like three right. people on in the city that we really need to reach. <laughs> it doesn't need to be. <laughs> we don't need two thousand flyers. It was such a oh, funny hysterical. Yeah, yeah. He also one time said he also he, we were arguing about what what might get our record played. You know, like oh, should we send it out, tape to the top of a pizza? The late night, blah blah blah, all that. And he's like, why don't we just call him and ask? <laughs> <laughs> And like the the rest of us are just looking at each other like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. (laughs) (laughs) This guy sounds like a good friend to have. Yeah, he he ended up at Deloitte and uh, yeah. Of course he did. I love it. So anyway, so and Uh, the whole point of that story is is like, is like if what you really want to do is get on BCN and you think that getting the attention of like the overnight DJ is the way to go, then just go after the overnight DJ. Like you don't need to flyer the whole city. Yeah, exactly. Well, so there you have it. Focus, yes. people, focus. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I mean, just to wrap up the financial piece, it, it can be. It doesn't have to be this tedious bean counting thing. Although you do need that covered, it can be fun to think about yeah. you know, what things you're going to do to. And that's where it's really important to find yourself the right partner. Like if you've got somebody who's like really more of a production cpa like get the tax returns out you know maybe you keep using them yeah but you get somebody who can actually think strategically and enjoys it get that kind of a person on your team whether that's another cpa or whether that's a financial advisor of some kind but find the right person it may take a while ask for referrals may take a while to find the right person but that's that's really what you want to help you work through um, asking those questions, making sure you're asking yourself the right questions, and then you get to decide what you want your future to look like. Exactly. Love it. Cool. Well, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. We made it through an, our first episode. Yay. Yeah, that, any huge blow-ups, although the dogs did make their presence known, but that's okay. Yes, they did. Jackson apologizes. <laughs> My garbage truck made an appearance as well, and it's raining, so <laughs> sorry about all that. Little we can do. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.